You're listening to the Cyberwire Network, powered by N2K. Don't struggle to align your organization's cybersecurity with business risk. Get the only solution that goes beyond reacting to threats with vulnerability and risk monitoring. You need the next evolution of MDR, and only Critical Start delivers it. Critical Start doesn't just monitor and respond to threats. They put you in control by detecting suspicious activities, quickly responding to contained threats, and identifying your most critical assets and protecting them against vulnerabilities and exposures. With continuous visibility, expert guidance, and measurable risk reduction, Critical Start has redefined what it means to manage cyber risk. Demonstrate provable security maturity to your leadership while positioning your program to achieve the greatest risk reduction per dollar spent. Stop fearing risk and start managing it with Critical Start. Visit criticalstart.com and request a demo today. That's criticalstart.com. A Mexican publisher is hit with an extortion demand. Ransomware increasingly carries a destructive wiper component. Apple and Amazon, after the bad optics of reports that they're farming out Siri and Alexa recordings to human contractors for quality control, are both modifying their approaches to training the assistants. And investigators sort through mass shooters' digital trails. From the CyberWire studios at Data Tribe, I'm Dave Bittner with your CyberWire summary for Monday, August 5th, 2019. Comparatech reports that a bookseller and publisher in Mexico, Libreria Porua, left a MongoDB instance publicly accessible. The bookseller was warned by researchers on July 15th that its database was accessible, but apparently did not take action to secure it in time. Criminals claimed to have copied the data, then wiped them. They've demanded 500 Bitcoin, almost $6 million, to restore the data. It's unknown whether the company has attempted to pay the ransom, let alone whether even if they did pay, their files would be recoverable. The affected database contains 2.1 million customer records. Customers would do well to be on the lookout for spear phishing attempts. Another destructive attack, German Wiper, is destroying files in victim systems and then demanding ransom for their restoration, computing reports. In this case, in contrast, restoration seems impossible. Bleeping Computer describes the attack. The infection vector is a phishing email, and the fish bait is a polite inquiry about a job opening from someone called Lena Kretschmer. Frau Kretschmer is clearly a catfish and no genuine job seeker, but at least the emails are formally courteous. Once a system is infected, the ransom note tells the victim that their data have been encrypted, but in fact they're gone, overwritten. Germany's federal cert advises people not to pay. It's futile, and you'll just be out roughly $1,700 in Bitcoin the hoods are asking for. If this is the criminal hit it seems to be, the hoods must be in it for one or two quick payouts before everyone is wise to their game and stops sending Bitcoin. The mode of propagation isn't the same, but there's at least this similarity to NotPetya. That, too, was pseudo-ransomware. Like Germany Wiper, it had a relatively low ransom demand, and you weren't getting your files back from it either. There was an earlier case of destructive pseudo-ransomware deployed against German targets. 
In 2017, HSD-FSD-crypt, also called Ordinipt, destroyed files in what was nominally, at least, a ransomware attack. Destructive attacks seem to be trending. In the past, they had tended to be the work of states, not Petya being Exhibit A, but this seems to be changing. Over the past six months, IBM's X-Force has seen a 200% rise in criminal ransomware attacks that have a wiper component. Wipers have been integrated into such familiar ransomware strains as Locker Goga and Mega Cortex. The criminals seem to have adopted this approach as a way of ratcheting up the pressure on their victims, increasing the consequences of holding out and making them more likely to pay. After all, if it's conventional ransomware, someone might come up with a decryptor. But if the files are gone, they're just gone. You can't decrypt destruction. There are several effective defensive measures an enterprise can take. IBM lists seven. First, test your response plan under pressure. Use threat intelligence to understand the threat to your organization. Engage in effective defense in depth. Implement multi-factor authentication throughout the environment. Have backups, test backups, and offline backups. Consider an action plan for a quick temporary business functionality. And create a baseline for internal network activity and monitor for changes that could indicate lateral movement. Let's do a quick little experiment together. If I ask you to imagine an image in your mind of something related to cybersecurity, what's the first thing you see? Let's extend the experiment and imagine doing an online image search for the term cybersecurity. What do you expect you'd find? It's the same old images over and over again, to the point of most of them being cliches. Eli Sugarman is the Cyber Initiative Program Officer at the Hewlett Foundation, and they've decided to take this image issue head on. So we took this on because we were about to publish a report on cybersecurity grant making, on all of the the work that, that our grantees and we had been doing, and we realized that we didn't have a good image to put on the cover of it that really captured the complexity and importance of these issues. And so we searched, we did a Google image search, we looked around and realized that everybody else was having the same problems, that you look at think tank reports or websites or even newspaper articles, and you get the same things. You get men in hoodies over keyboards, you get matrix-style ones and zeros, locks Mm. and swords and shields, and it doesn't actually tell you anything. And so he said, aha, there is a problem here. It seems to me that we almost have a bit of a feedback loop here, where we have a limited number of images that we use, so we use those images, and people see that, and they decide those are the images we should use. I think that's exactly right. And I think that if you do a Google image search, you see clear clusters where everybody said, oh, you know what, I'm just going to tweak that image of a lock to make it a little bit cooler, or maybe it'll shoot lasers, because to your point, they're no pun intended, locked into a certain way of depicting this visually. And you see companies using those images too, because they haven't invested in new creative ways to show why you would want to buy something related to cybersecurity or why it matters to an individual consumer. So, So I think you're right. I think that the really sad state of imagery just feeds off itself. And so how are you coming at this? We're coming at it from a creative perspective, if you will. That is that we know that we actually don't know how to come up with a better image. If you were to ask me, what is the better image? I can give you general attributes, but if I knew what it was, I would draw it myself, but I'm not an artist. So what we've done is we've partnered with a a really top-tier creative firm, IDEO, um, which spun out of the Stanford Design School, that really focuses on how do you bring design thinking and a creative process to interesting challenges like this. And so basically we're working with them to launch a global contest 
saying, you know, we're going to offer prize money. Here's some background information on the sad state of these visuals. Here are some examples. You know, here's some examples of the kinds of things we think you should try to do. Now give us your, your best ideas and we're going to have um, a formal contest and a jury award prizes and really try to generate some interest that way. And then what happens once uh, you've selected a winner? Do those images become available? Yeah, that's exactly right. The, the, the winner would, of course, receive the prize that, that he or she is entitled to. And all of the submissions are licensed under Creative Commons, which means they'll be made available to anybody who wants to use them to be credited to the artist, of course, who should deserve credit for their work, but then can be used by think tanks, by universities, by CyberWire itself to try to tell better stories and really explain these really important cyber concepts. So the whole idea is to put out better quality visuals that, that people can then use. Now, beyond the creation of the images themselves, are there any plans for any sort of promotional campaigns to help get the word out there and you know, influence people to try to, to move on and use some of these, these new images? Right now, our campaign is, is starting to just raise awareness about this contest and the problem it's trying to solve. I think once we see what we get out of it, because it's hard to predict how many images will come out, how many will really be used and really galvanize the field, I think then we may come up with some ideas to then use them and do, you know, secondary campaigns and pushes. What we're going to focus on is really making sure that folks already doing, you know, public awareness, capacity building, education on cybersecurity know about this contest. And then that we make sure that the images are, are shared with them so that they can then put them into use in their important work some of which we're already funding. And so I think we'll wait and see whether another type of broad campaign is indicated or whether just making that connection between the this new resource and those who can make use of it is, is strong. And so if someone wants to find out more information, what's the best way to do that? We have a website. If you are interested in learning more about the contest and sign up for updates and see the background reports and everything, there's a website to visit, which is www openideo, that's O-P-E-N-I-D-E-O dot com slash sign up, one word, slash sign up again, hyphen, Hewlett, H-E-W-L-E-T-T, -T, hyphen cybersecurity, one word. Another way to do it is to pay, just check the Hewlett Foundation website where we'll be announcing this and sharing all the relevant links. That's Eli Sugarman from the Hewlett Foundation. Concerns over human-administered quality control checks of voice assistants have driven changes at both Apple and Amazon, as the Times of London reports. Following up on stories broken earlier by The Guardian, Apple had been sending Siri recordings to contractors for review. Siri was found to be pretty indiscriminate in what it recorded, too. Amazon had been sending audio clips of people talking within earshot of their home Alexa devices to contractors in Poland for analysis, the intent wasn't to spy on people in their homes. Amazon was clearly interested in improving the quality of Alexa's responses, but it amounted, in effect, to unwelcome eavesdropping. Apple is changing the way it trains Siri, ThreatPost reports, and TechCrunch describes how Amazon is making similar changes with Alexa. Apple told TechCrunch it was suspending grading Siri's responses by having contractors review them. Users will, in the near future, be given the choice of opting in or out of such grading, Bloomberg reports that Amazon has also given users the option of declining human review of their interactions with Alexa. Investigators are working through the digital exhaust of the El Paso and Dayton shooters and are finding the sadly familiar disinhibition and self-absorbed nihilism so often seen among those who've made the delusional ascent into a life lived online. 
May the victims and survivors find such peace as they can receive. Our thoughts are with them. Every day, your IAM tech debt grows. Your multi-generational services struggle to work together. Building an identity fabric can fix this. It makes all your identity tooling stronger and allows you to connect any app to any service you want to use. With zero coding, zero maintenance, and zero app downtime. Strata's identity orchestration platform separates the identity logic from your applications, so you can optimize existing IAM tools and manage them in a single control plane. Now, every vendor, standard, and architecture work together. In short, building your identity fabric means you can secure your non-standard apps, keep your complex access policies, retire outdated IDPs, and modernize in record time. So build your fabric with Strata Identity and get rid of tech debt for good. Visit strata.io slash cyberwire, share your identity priorities, and receive a pair of AirPods Pro. Offer valid for organizations over 5,000 employees. Connect today at strata.io slash cyberwire. And now a word from our sponsor, Sixth Sense. Sixth Sense provides award-winning cloud-based automated endpoint and vulnerability management solutions to streamline IT and security operations. With its advanced platform, businesses gain complete visibility and control over their infrastructure, reducing IT and security risks and optimizing operational efficiency. With Sixth Sense, you'll get real-time alerts, risk-based vulnerability prioritization and remediations, and an intuitive automation and orchestration engine so you can focus on your core business goals. Confident in the knowledge that your enterprise is secure, compliant, and running smoothly. To learn why enterprises choose Sixth Sense, visit SixthSense.com. And joining me once again is Joe Kerrigan. He's from the Johns Hopkins University Information Security Institute, also my co-host on the Hacking Humans podcast. Joe, great to have you back. Hi, Dave. Uh, we had a story last week about some vulnerabilities that were discovered in a popular real-time operating system. Yeah. Uh, bring it, us up to date here. It's from Armis Labs has found these vulnerabilities, and they, they call the operating system the most popular operating system you've never heard of, mm-hmm. right? And it's, uh, it's an operating system called VXWorks, which is what's called a real-time operating system. Right. Uh, meaning that they have time constraints on how fast the operating system can process the data that is given. And this is used in what kinds of devices, It typically? is used in a lot of different devices, industrial control and SCADA systems, hmm. medical devices. But it's also the vulnerable part is used in some firewalls from, from SonicWall firewalls. Hmm. The vulnerabilities are in the TCP IP stack, right, which is software that runs on devices to make sure that they're connected to a network. Okay. Uh, and nothing else needs to be running on these devices in order for them to be vulnerable because the vulnerabilities are in that part of the software. Okay. Uh, and these vulnerabilities are exploitable with broadcast packets. So if you can get a packet to one of these vulnerable devices, you can exploit the vulnerability. Armist Labs hasn't released any exploits. They're calling the vulnerabilities Urgent 11 because there are actually 11 urgent vulnerabilities in there. Hmm. Six of them can lead to remote code execution, and the other five can perform denial-of-service attacks, essentially hmm. you know, stopping something from working. 
the issue here is going to be updating it. So Armis has disclosed these vulnerabilities to Wind River, who makes VX Works. Right. Uh, and Sonic Wall has already issued a patch for their firewalls, and they're mm. saying, telling everybody to patch now. Uh, the industrial control systems, they're all going to have to be patched. But the problem with these things is they're all attached to working industrial systems that they're controlling. Yeah. I mean, right? that's the thing with these. I mean, it's sort of when you're dealing with these real-time operating systems, a lot of times they're in embedded devices. Right. That, they, these are it's a, specifically for embedded devices, right? So they're not going to get updated. I mean, lots of them are going to be out there sitting somewhere deep inside of something. Quietly and running away, right? You might not even do. know that it's... There, right? right exactly. Uh, there, you might have a configuration management issue. Uh, in order to update these devices, you're probably going to have to shut down a manufacturing line somewhere or, mm. or a device. Now, in some situations, you might be able to do that. Uh, so it's not going to be as, as easy as patching all your Windows devices, right? Yeah. And that's you know where the long tail of this is going to be is what they're calling it. But there is good news. Armis has done a great thing. They've released a series of snort rules so that you can spot these things and potentially stop them before they get to where they need to go. Head so them off at the pass. Head them off at the pass. Right, right. So you can right. mitigate this. Yeah. Um, and and anybody that can mitigate it and, and needs to mitigate it absolutely should mitigate it. Mm-hmm. And when it comes time to patch those devices or maintain those devices, do the patch. Replace those devices. Uh, I don't know that you need to replace them. I think you just need to update them. I'm just thinking, of, you know, there's a lot of these embedded devices, they, they run until they stop running. You right. Know, and then a right. new one, they get replaced. There's, yeah. You know, they're so deep in there. They run for a decade or more. Yeah, and these things really don't break because they don't have moving parts. You know, they're just sitting there doing the computation, and they're very good at it. And the operating system's efficient. The hardware's efficient. And it just works. It's the mixed blessing, I guess. Yeah, it is. It it, is. uh, When something like this pops up, it's difficult to address because these systems are so deep within uh, the operations of of organizations. Absolutely. Hmm. Good perspective as always. Joe Kerrigan, thanks for joining us. It's my pleasure, Dave. Are lengthy security reviews pulling attention away from your security program? With the largest network of trust centers, Vanta can help you streamline security reviews to win customer trust, save time, and close deals fast. Proactively demonstrate security by showcasing key resources like your SOC 2 or ISO 27001 and provide real-time evidence for passing controls. And when a security questionnaire is required, Vanta takes the first pass for you. Visit vanta.com slash cyber to take a self-serve tour. That's vanta.com slash cyber. And that's the CyberWire. For links to all of today's stories, check out our daily briefing at thecyberwire.com. And for professionals and cybersecurity leaders who want to stay abreast of this rapidly evolving field, sign up for CyberWire Pro. It'll save you time and keep you informed. Listen for us on your Alexa smart speaker, too. The CyberWire podcast is proudly produced in Maryland out of the startup studios of Data Tribe, where they're co-building the next generation of cybersecurity teams and technologies. Our amazing CyberWire team is Elliot Peltzman, Peru Prakash, Stefan Vaziri, Kelsey Bond, Tim Nodar, Joe Kerrigan, Carol Terrio, Ben Yellen, Nick Vilecki, Gina Johnson, Bennett Moe, Chris Russell, John Petrick, Jennifer Iben, Rick Howard, Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
And now, a word from our sponsor, Zscaler, the leader in cloud security. Cyber attackers are using AI in creative ways to compromise users and breach organizations. In a security landscape where you must fight AI with AI, the best AI protection comes from having the best data. Zscaler has extended its zero-trust architecture with powerful AI engines that are trained and tuned by 500 trillion daily signals. Learn more about Zscaler Zero Trust plus AI to prevent ransomware and AI attacks. Experience your world secured. Visit zscaler.com slash zero trust AI. 